sick 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 what's the day today today is wednesday the 23rd of november oh my goodness it's almost december isn't that horrifying ever since the pandemic started i don't know about you but it feels like time has both gone extraordinarily fast and extraordinarily slow at the same time and i don't like it especially with the whole thing about the older you get the quicker time goes by because every second is like a smaller and smaller portion of your existence. So your brain just like speeds up as you get older. I'm over 30. These are the things you think about a lot. But good evening, uh, everybody. Welcome to Scouching Live. It's the second iteration of the 2022-2023 season. Uh, just to get us blasted off here, uh, just a reminder that the show is brought to you by a number of, of sponsors. McKean's Hockey, uh, predominantly the, 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 the to- at the top, um, as well as Fanatics. You can scan the QR code or use the affiliate link in my description, and I get a small kickback from anything you buy in the entire store. So whether you want some NHL gear or some World Cup gear, I don't have any World Cup gear, so I'm wearing my, my, my most recent Canada jersey, these really slick World Juniors jerseys they have, uh, so, you know, celebrating the Canadian boys for their hard-earned loss, I guess, today against Belgium. I don't know. That that was a fun game to watch, though, for the one time I watch soccer every, uh, football, I should say, football every four years. Um, but yes, you can also get 10% off of uh, Marcus Gustafson's Blue Line Hockey IQ program with the coupon code SCOUCHING if you want to learn a little more about how to play the game at sort of higher levels and play with your opponents a little bit and uh, mess with their brains, which everybody loves to, to mess with people's brains once in a while. Uh, it's lovely to see all of you. Um, it's, uh, you know, still relatively early in the draft season, so the takes are still uh, in the oven and, and, and getting baked, but we're getting there, you know, one week at a time. Obviously, this week I've listed all the players we've tracked, so if you're listening to the podcast, uh, I'll go through the list and then I'll get into the questions. Um, Gavin Brindley was the first one looked at last week. Love Gavin Brindley, but he stayed the same on my list. Uh, Nate Danielson, uh, as well. Another really good game out of him. Uh, I watched a game of Gennady Chali. Uh, he got knocked down a little bit on my list from where I had him. Denver Barkey got down, knocked down a little bit, uh, on my list. Uh, Christian Kostadninsky is a Swedish defender. I took a look at him, did a second game of his, uh, he's not on my list, but took a look. Uh, Quinton Musty, he moved up a little bit. Matt Wood, um, he moved up quite a bit. Uh, Boakey moving down a little, uh, Aiden Fink, I pulled him off my list, uh, Anton Wahlberg, I did a game of, Callan Lind down a few spots, uh, Cohen Zemer stayed the same, Griffin Erdman stayed the same, um, but I really like Griffin Erdman, uh, Tanner Adams also stayed the same, and Magomed Sharakanov also stayed the same. Um, okay, so let's just dive right into the questions while the audience continues to slowly fill in. Um... Okay, Bosnian gaming. Interesting. Yeah, right on, right on. I, I, I'm sure there's a thriving gaming community in Bosnia and Herzegovina, or just specifically Bosnia, if that's your if that's your jam. Anyway, uh, recently met Kyle Dubas at an OHL game. Wow, that's that's great. He's a nice, nice, a nice young man. Uh, where where he was scout where he I was about to say scouting where he was scouting uh Callum Murchie and Colby Barlow. What are your thoughts on the two? So, I st- I have a hard time with both of those guys. Um, I've tracked two games of each. Uh, or I should say I have two data, two games of data on each. Um, I did both on Barlow and I did one on Richie and I've watched a lot of both because I really want to make sure that me being lower on them than most people is something I really want to dive into. I'm still, I'm pretty sure that I haven't seen the best out of Callum Richie this season. He's in my first round. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like with Richie, 
and to a lesser extent Barlow. There's just been a lot of players that have impressed me more with their club play since the beginning of the year. But Callum Ritchie, you know, I, I've seen better play out of him than I've seen. Um, so I just might be low on him and he goes a little higher on my board. But there's just been a lot of other guys that, that have impressed me a little more. And we'll talk about why in a second. And Colby Barlow, I, I don't see it with him. I don't I don't get it. I'm finishing up uh, a little write-up for um, Brock Otten, who puts out the OHL Top 10 list. Colby Barlow is pretty low on mine, to be perfectly honest. I'll probably be one of the lower ones. Um, just because at 5-on-5, five five, when I've watched him this year, I see absolutely no play driving out of him. Like, really, very, very little, if if any. Um, and, you know, the, fin- the, the shot, he's got a great shot. Um, for sure. And he can sort of, you know, he, he's, he's, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he plays a lot. I think he plays bigger than he is, uh, especially when he's got puck possession, moving up the ice. Um, he's, you know, but look, I, he's not really driving a whole lot of dangerous offense whatsoever. He's got a pretty good shot. Um, but isn't really getting a ton of chances from in tight that I think are really projectable. And a lot of his offense is sort of generated from being off puck and picking up loose pucks and making quick plays from there, which is fine. But, there's a, again, it's he's one of these guys where there, I don't think there's that complete of a game. He's scoring a lot of points for sure, and and I I have to admit a lot of them are at even strength. I don't know based on the games I've seen, which are usually against good competition in the OHL. I don't know where the even strength production is coming from, but I might have just seen his. You know, I might just have the data on two of his worst games in the in in of his of the season, and I just am missing something. So again, there's still tons of time for me to get a lot a lot warmer on those guys and move them up the list. But right now, Richie's sitting at like the mid to late first round for me. Uh, and Barlow is in my second round. Um, and I just, I just haven't seen as much out of those two that I've liked out of other, out of other players. But I certainly have a lot of bandwidth, especially for Richie. Cause I, I've seen him. I think I'm pretty sure I've seen him play better than he's played so far this year with Oshawa. Uh, is it concerning how Logan Cooley has played in the NCAA? I don't think so. I was actually just watching some NCAA because I've been putting together my updated prospect pyramid article finally after way too many delays. I'm almost done it. So if you're a patron or YouTube member, you'll get it early and then it'll go public soon after. I'm sure the takes will go over great uh, with the general public. Um, but anyway, I mean, with Logan Cooley, I was watching him because I was watching some Jimmy Snuggerud because um, some of the metrics this year so far do look better for Snuggerud than, than, than Cooley, but also... They're all playing together a lot of the time, from what I can tell. Cooley is playing a lot of time with Snuggerud, who's playing a lot of time with Matt Nyes. That's just a great college hockey line, and and they balance each other really, 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 really well. Um, I'm not really concerned about Logan Cooley, to be honest. I mean, he's driving really good shot differentials. I watched a game where he played like 10 minutes or something against North Dakota, and I think he allowed one shot attempt in that entire game, and just to to see how he was doing, um, and, and, and drove a lot of offense in that game, so... I mean, I think he's doing just fine, especially considering the level of players he's playing with in 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 college right now. Um, it's still relatively early in the season, um, but you know he's been consistently producing at a pretty decent rate. I think he's around like two points per sixty even strength, which is pretty good. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I don't think the Coyotes are in any rush to get much better. Uh, and you know, even if he isn't a hundred percent ready after one season, I don't think that's the end of the world. Um, but I also get the feeling that he's going to be just fine. Uh, thoughts on Sam Cosentino's ranking of Ryan Leonard at eight. It's, it's spicy. Uh, why is it spicy? I, I, it, it's spicy. I mean, I've got Leonard in the first round. I really like him. Him, Will Smith and Oliver Moore are three NTDP guys. Probably the only NTDP guys that I'm really, really, really excited about. Um, and with Ryan Leonard, I mean, there are definitely isolated moments with him where I'm going, 
yeah, this guy, I'm happy to draft him in the first round. I, I don't know if I would draft him top 10. I, th- I think that with this draft, the top 10 is really, really strong. Maybe the top seven or eight. Really, really, really strong. So I think it's really hard to break into that group. And then from like nine to 20 for me is is really close. And I feel like Ryan Leonard is sort of just knocking on the door a little bit for that group. Um, he's sitting at 28 on my list, but I mean, from 20 to 30 on my list is extremely close. I'd say 20 to 32 is extremely close. Um, and, and you could convince me to go any number of ways on those guys. Um, but again, it's just that I think there are other players that bring a little bit more on the other, on, on the, on the other, in the other areas of the game. But, but Ryan Leonard's skill level is certainly very, very high. Um, but I mean, look, I've, I've been around long enough to know that a lot of these sort of public outlets from major or these public sources from major outlets, like Craig Button at TSN and, and Sam Cosentino with Sportsnet they're it's very, very clear to me that if they've recently seen players at a tournament, they're going to rank those guys higher. Like it's, it's, I don't know, maybe it's not intentional. I'm sure it's not, but I think that's just a pretty clear indication that, of these sort of psychological things that go on in talent evaluation because Ryan Leonard and Will Smith just played an under 20 tournament, uh, and, and ran the show. Um, and they've had some really, really good international performances recently. So that also certainly helps boost them in, in that. And, you know, seeing all the guys at the Holinka who were there that were ranked really highly by both Cosentino and like Kevin Bicker is in Cosentino's first round still. And I went and watched him. I don't see it. I don't get it. But, you know, again, if you see them at these international tournaments, then then there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's spicy, but I don't I don't hate it. I mean, I could easily see Ryan Leonard being in my at least top 20 by the end of the year, but it's a really strong top 20. And if you wanted to take him as high as a top 15, like, yeah, absolutely. I could have the discussion. Same goes for Oliver Moore. Um any thoughts on Muskegon draft eligible uh, uh, Gavin McCarthy? So yeah, I've seen a bit of Gavin McCarthy this year. I I'm not I'm not sold on him. I think there's just a lot of defensemen that I would rather have over him. Um, I I think he's kind of like Jacob Gavin, who played at the USHL same team, um, same same team. Uh, and and I think they have similar you know like they play a skilled sort of game off the back end that keeps things really simple and effective for a junior level team and junior level player. I just, I don't know if it's enough to play that way at the next level yet. I don't know. Um, I don't mind McCarthy at all. Like he's, he's a player that is draftable for sure. And I think he could be a draft pick, but for me, I, I, I feel like when I've, when I see guys like Gavin McCarthy, it doesn't really matter in the NHL draft based on how I evaluate guys that I always end up with guys where it's like, yeah, you could take McCarthy here, but these are the players I think that really should be gone by now. And I don't think McCarthy will be on that list, but I'm sure some other team will disagree with me. Cause he, he has, I guess the word would be poise. Um, he's got sort of decent ability to see the ice and, and connect on his passes and get the puck up the ice. I haven't tracked any games of him, but I've seen a couple start to finish and I think he's perfectly fine, uh, but I'm not. I'm not like blown away by his game relative to how how he's how much he's producing this year. Uh, did you expect this level of production from Lane Hudson in his freshman year? Um, no, but he is in the right school. Like Boston University, really does not seem to mind undersized defensemen like him, um, and they deploy them a lot. Like David Ferentz, uh Dominic Vinsori is still on the team. 
Kai John Varia is a 5'7 defenseman for the USNTDP, who I believe is headed to Boston University next year, too. Um, and, and they all just sort of fit the right arch- the same archetype. And I love it. I love to see teams trying that strategy with their defensemen. And clearly with a guy like Hudson, it's working. Um, I mean, I'm a little surprised at just how quickly he's sort of gotten to the NCAA and made waves. I thought that, you know, his defensive game still needed some work. And it kind of still does you know he's not there yet but his footwork seems to be a lot better and 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 that's been the key to in my opinion unlocking what he could do is just get him a lot more fluid on his feet and and get him using his feet a little bit better to to control gaps and 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 gap up to 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 opposing forwards coming into the defensive zone and using that also in the offensive zone to create space for himself as well cuz last year his best method of creating space is faking one way going the other and that works to a certain extent but against better faster quicker you know more aggressive defenses you're going to also need some some quickness and agility and, and escape velocity to get away from that pressure to create at five on five, especially. Uh, and and I mean, but I think he's taken a step in that direction. So, you know, he was a, he's a bit of a gamble as a defenseman, but so far so good. And you can't really complain. I, he's kind of outperformed my expectations to this point. But um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm really pleasantly surprised. Um. Thoughts on Constantino's rankings. He had Shale at 21st and Crystal at 24th. He said about Crystal, Crystal, I should say, Andrew Crystal. I don't know why Crystal stuck in my mind. Is there one elite element to his game that will translate to his next level? Well, like that's, you know, that's the thing, right? Like you, you can say that about any highly skilled player that is not big, right? The concern, the blanket concern you can throw out there is what if, what if it doesn't work? Right? Like what, what if it doesn't work? So let's draft, let's put him in a slot where, he ends up, uh, maybe he ends up in a slot where if he ends up a third line guy, we're fine. I look at Andrew Crystal and I absolutely just, I don't see any real issue, especially offensively. Defensively, whatever, there are problems. But I think with him, you're not drafting him to play defense anyway. Like you're drafting him to be Johnny Gaudreau, right? Like that's that's what you're doing. And I, I mean, when I look at Crystal, I see a lot of echoes of that type of player. Extraordinary skill level huge pace in his game just creates for his line mates a ton but can also score like it just an offensive wizard and i mean if you want to let that slip in the draft in favor because you're afraid of a thing that's not even described in detail not translating then so be it but i i don't know i look at andrew crystal and go yeah this is a 59 guy that maybe be, he might he might even be 510 if you if he stands on his tippy toes this is a guy who drives a ton of results and like I, the way i see it as well like there's a lot of criticism being thrown at certain players that apply to other players like let's say matvey michkov a lot of people are saying oh like this player like crystal's 59 what what if it doesn't work in the nhl I look at Matvey Michkov and go, he's also five foot nine and not as good at a number of things as a guy like Andrew Crystal or even a Jaden Perron. There are things that he's better than the other, the other guys, but there are weaknesses in, in Matvey Michkov's game, in my opinion, and that criticism isn't really levied at him. So there's inconsistency abound, but in my opinion, I don't know, like. It it is what it is. And with with Chalet at twenty one, like I can kind of see it, right? Like he's not. Chalet is not the fanciest looking hockey player in the world, but there are some games I watch Edward Chalet play. And again, like 
literally every single thing he does, especially like when he's thinking offensively, is the right move. He's selfless. He finds space. He gets into space really, really well. Like there's really very little that that Shale does wrong and I feel like he's just got an exceptional baseline to work off of he started the season pretty hot production wise and has kind of tailed off but I'm not really concerned because of how much I see him you know moving pucks and and moving them really efficiently and just getting the the results and the process down we'll see how it goes I mean I I could probably have him later in the draft than I have him right now which is at five but I, I watch him play, and I'm like, all right, you're not you're not the flashy guy. You're not Andrew Crystal. You're not Matvey Michkov, but you're going to be a guy who I think coaches will love, um, especially if things just get a little bit better with regards to his footwork and getting a little bit stronger, which I think are going to be keys to playing his brand. But I, I think at the end of the day, he's going to be just fine. Uh, and and 21 to me is pretty low. Um, what are your thoughts on Quinton Musty and Colby Barlow, and where do you have them ranked? So right now I've got Barlow, uh, where's Barlow in the, in the, oh, I have him in the mid to late second round right now. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Colby Barlow based on what I've seen so far. Musty, I have actually higher. Um, I, I've really liked Quinton Musty. Um, I, I came into the season after the Linka tournament, not expecting to like Musty as much as I, as I have. Um, I like the fact that he's on the younger side for this year's draft. I like that he's got, you know, He's he's big and he's got skill, but he's not, you know, he's not a knucklehead chasing guys around and, and trying to trying to bang and crash all night. He he does if he needs to, but his game is I think got a little bit more finesse in it than I think I thought there was. Um really, really good sort of really tight space problem solver. Like if he's got guys all over him and and he's trying to figure out how to get out of pressure and everything, like he just knows how to find pucks and put them around guys like Matthew Wood is very similar but I think not as good on in terms of generating speed and getting moving um Matthew Wood has I think offensive zone tools that I think Musty is still not quite on the same level as which puts Wood higher for me but they both have this sort of sixth sense of like how to get around traffic and get through it even if they're sort of skating can't get them through it themselves so I like Musty. I, I think in the you know he's a guy. I think I have in my second round, like maybe a late first round pick. You could get like a physical sort of middle six, you know, um, transition guy who plays with a lot of resilience and stuff. And I like that about him. And I think it, you know if I could take Colby Barlow's finishing ability and and plug it into Quinton Musty, I feel like Musty would be right in, into my first round. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a fan of I'm a fan of of Musty especially and Barlow. I mean, look again, similar to Callum Ritchie, like I said earlier, I am a hundred percent open to having them higher than I have them now. But I'm putting them where I put them based on what I've seen, and I have not seen much out of Colby Barlow that really like, you know, really gets me going. Um, is there any progress in Isagai and Tyler Dukes? So I really have liked watching Tyler Duke in Ohio State. I have I have a vested interest in keeping up with these guys. I still am dumbfounded at how Kenta Isagai is still not playing more minutes and also scoring more. I watched a game where he played on the same line as William Whitelaw for a for a period and they were bonkers together. I I don't know. Isagai is still playing like eight to ten minutes a night at even strength and not really getting much special time special team minutes, I don't think. Um and I think that that's been a bit strange, but I still really, really like him. And I still see the same things out of him that I liked so much last year. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm playing the long game with him. 
Um, and Tyler Duke, I mean, I think he's gotten off to a pretty good start in, in Ohio state, right? Like I think, uh, I was looking at him relative to the other NTDP guys that got drafted last year outside of Seamus Casey and Lane Hudson. And he's right in line with a bunch of them. I think Ryan Chesley has a, has fewer points this season. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's true. The last time I checked, um, but in my in my view, I, I look at Tyler Duke and go, yeah, I think he's coming along just fine. I mean, it, he's going to be a guy who you send to college for a few years and, and see how things go no matter what. But he's driving really, really good shot differentials again, like he did all year last year. And I've been, I've been happy with how he's played this year so far. Uh, have I seen much of Sam Dickinson? I have, and I, lo- I really like Sam Dickinson. He's not, um, he, you know, he's not uh, scoring a, a ton um, I mean, he kind of is a last, I can't remember really last I checked. So I don't know why I said that, but, but he's not a guy who's like, I, I think at the under 17s, he wasn't like shooting the lights out, which is fine. Like that's, that's not exactly his game, but he's just so big and mobile and fluid on his feet. And the skill level is really good. Um, a guy I really, really liked last year when I saw bits and pieces of his game, really, really impressive player. Um, I, I thought last year in the OHL draft, when I took a brief look at that class, uh, he was he was the best defenseman available in my opinion. I, I, I mean, especially with regards to actually playing defense in a well-rounded defensive game with a bit of tools offensively. Zane Perek has a lot of offensive talent, like kind of that Brant Clark style of just all-out offense, but not the same amount of 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 fluidity on his feet and applying himself defensively to sort of break plays up. But I, I like Sam Dickinson quite a bit, and I'll have my eye on him for next year 100%. Uh, Barky down six. Yeah, I mean, look, this part of the season, like, I'm still sorting out what I think of these guys, right? I mean, Denver Barky went from an early second round pick to, like, a 42nd ranked player for me. Like, I I really, really like Denver Barky, but I I wonder, again, like, if you want to talk about Andrew Crystal and being like, well, is there something about his game that's going to translate? I look at Denver Barky, I really like his, how he plays, right? Like, I watch him play and I'm... I, I really respect how, how Denver Barkey plays the game. He's not one of these small skill guys that doesn't care about defense and floats around and waits for pucks to come to him and, you know, t- does everything by himself. But what Denver Barkey does is, is apply himself really well off puck. He turns over the puck for on, on opponents constantly. Um, just, you know, he causes a lot of offensive zone turnovers just from chasing pucks down and causing errant passes and everything, which I love to see. And you need stuff like that, especially out of your, out of your smaller players. Um, it's just, I, 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 he's gonna, I just feel like he's the kind of player that's gonna need like really high end skill to sort of pull pucks around players and, and maneuver around defenses and everything. And I just don't think it's quite at that point. But he's playing really well, and and I think that he's a guy like I'll have in my second round, and you could probably draft him in like the fourth, right? Like he's small, naturally he plays center, you know, he he plays a good 200-foot game in my opinion, but, you know, the offensive creation is hard to project, so maybe teams just go, eh, let's not draft this guy and we'll skip him. And you draft him in the fourth round, and you go, like I would tell him, like, look, I love how you play. You, You bring a lot of really positive qualities to the game at both ends. You play hard. You, 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 you chase down the puck really well. You apply yourself to, to opponents really, really well. You know, we, we, we think you have a high offensive sort of ceiling, but we also think that you could be an NHL player if you just keep working just every shift, just doing what you do and and working hard and playing your, playing your way. And, you know, even if he is sort of a third line guy that you put out on the power play, then there's that, then great. If you pick that up in the third or fourth round, because everyone else is scared of him 
then that's a win. Um, but yeah, I mean, just because I dropped him a lot, I think is more a sign of that it's early in the year and I'm still sorting out, especially in this range from, I'd say 25 to 50 or 60. Like I'm still trying to sort that range out because it's pretty close and, uh, there's a lot of good players in that range. Um, where are we now? Hey, David Gerdner is Riley, uh, is Riley height. What was the question? Is Riley Height underrated and why? Nah? I'm going to say why? I I mean, I don't know about underrated. He's on average ranked 17th. I've got him at 13. Um and that 17 takes into my uh, takes my ranking into account, so maybe closer to 18 or 19 and I think that's reasonable for Riley Height. Like he's a really skilled and slippery offensive winger and I I really like watching him play. I have a game of his that I've been procrastinating tracking for no real good reason. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, and But I'm excited to do it because I really, really like watching him whenever I'm just sort of sitting around watching tape of guys. And I, I, he's one of these guys that, you know, again, it's, it, it, it's, not, it's, it's not a very uh, appealing uh, series of things to say about him, but he's a good plug-and-play offensive guy, right? Like, he can score, he can make a play, he's skilled, he's slippery. There's a lot to like about him. Um, him and Cohen Zemer just work off each other so, so well. Uh, I, I watched a game of Cohen Zemer. I tracked one this week of him, and, and they just both looked really, really impressive. Uh, both looked really, really impressive. And um, height height is more pacey. He has a lot more pace and, 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 and offensive skill in his game, whereas Cohen Zemer, I think, is just a really brilliant player when it comes to working around his, his weaknesses. Cause he does have weaknesses, but they're kind of negated quite a bit by the things he does so well. The thing that holds him back, I think is projecting him into the NHL in long term. But I think as a junior player, I can absolutely see how he's producing so much. And the same goes for height for sure. Um, favorite Canadian footballer, not named Alfonso Davies. Happy Thanksgiving to the States. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so I'm not a huge Canadian, uh, football fan. Um, and I'm trying to think of the game today that where it was like, Oh, this is really impressive stuff. Um, the, Oh boy. I'm already forgetting. Jonathan. Is it Jonathan David, Jonathan Davies, something like that. He had a pretty, he had some pretty nice plays today. It was pretty nice. Uh, I'm probably butchering the name, even though it's a Canadian name and I'm, Canadian and I'm bringing shame to my entire nation in front of my gigantic audience of 28 right now. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say that, but yes, happy Thanksgiving to the States. Uh, oh, we have a super chat. I totally missed that. Sorry, Coleman. Uh, thank you very much. just wanted to check in with Nico Hooten and I know he was a late pick from Tampa Bay, but he's been pretty good. What's your take on him? I, I like Nico Hooten and I mean, I remember watching him while tracking Yeri Virolainen, I think his name was a couple of years ago and going, okay, so Virolainen's the setup man and Hooten's the Finnish guy that's funny Finnish guy it's, he's from Finland but he I mean Finnish like the finish on your car like I, I've I have finished my meal um but like Hootenen is he's big and he can really rip a hockey puck in half like he's got a great shot um I was really surprised he went in the seventh round again in that 2021 draft I mean he should have gone earlier and I mean, I didn't have him ranked because I look at his foot speed and his resilience under pressure for a big guy, and I just kind of got a little bit... I sort of thought, ah, I don't really see a whole lot from him. Um, but I think for now, like he's in the Liga right now playing with Eucharit, and for now, I think it works because that league is a little... It lends a little bit more to sort of lower pace, 
you know, shot volume and, and sort of softer defense, I think, than a lot of other European pro leagues. And so if you get the puck to Hooten and in space, he's a devastating shot threat. And, you know, anytime anyone's a devastating shot threat, they can also be a good playmaking threat because teams know they're a shooting threat and probably give more attention to them covering in the defensive zone. We'll see how it goes. I mean, for a seventh round pick, he's already sort of outperforming a lot of other guys drafted ahead of him to this point in his career. We'll see how it goes. Um, I, I, I've, I've been impressed with him whenever I've seen him in terms of a, as a, as a finisher. So we'll see how that goes. Um, can't, he, he, he's been, he's been decent. Um, do, do, uh, did you watch some Michelli? He's been pretty good. Yes, I did actually. Yes. And he has been quite good. You know, he was a guy who, when he was draft eligible, you know, there were things floating around about him that, that I think teams got a little spooked and, and that caused him to drop in the draft. I think people sort of saw a kid with talent that had real flaws um, and they were kind of spooked by that. But I think that at the end of the day, you bet on talent, right? And I think the Coyotes did that, and it's turned out pretty well because that guy is a lot of fun to watch in the NHL. He's high pace, high skill, high flying fun. And I mean, if I if it was up to me, I'd build a team full of guys like Matias Michelli, uh, as long as they weren't, you know, total uh, jerks off off the ice. Speaking of which, I also want to give a shout out to Jagger Joshua uh, of Michigan State Hockey. Um, for for doing what he did and stepping up against uh against the racist taunts he was faced with from uh a player on Ohio State I believe this was a week and a bit ago I could be wrong so forgive me but um for anyone not in in the loop about the story feel free to to go on to Jagger's Twitter Twitter page and and read the statement he made um because you know it's quite powerful and says a lot um and you know once again, consequences that come down for actions like that are far too, you know, far too compassionate to racists, which I think is very, very wrong. So uh, a shout out to Jagger Joshua for standing up for himself and, and, and you know, big, big ups for that. It sucks that this had to happen, but I just wanted to point that out and, and give him a shout out on the show uh, while talking about, uh, you know, bad, bad things out there. And there's enough bad things out there to talk about these days, but we'll move on. Uh, thoughts on Grayson Sachin. Um, I like him. I mean, he's a smart player, really, really crafty puck mover, finds ways to make plays in transition, and, and just a really smart player. I've been meaning to go back and look at another game of him, but it's been a while, so that's a good reminder for me to go and, and do another game of his. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I haven't been as blown away with him as some other people, or, you know, I have a couple of people telling me, oh, you got to watch Sachin, watch him, watch him, watch him, watch him. And I do, and I'm going, okay, I can see how this guy's a good junior player, but I just think that there's a few limitations with regards to the pace of his game and the actual projectability of of his finishing. Like, But he's he's very smart and reads the ice really, really well and, and makes plays pretty well. You know, kind of how I felt a little bit about like a Fraser Minton last year where I'm going, okay, but I don't know where this goes, but I see the appeal. It's just not, you know, I don't know. Um, but who knows? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll check back up on him and, and, uh, and, and let you know, uh, any thoughts on Yegor Surin? I know he's 2024 eligible, but from what I've seen, he's got skills, but it's raw. Um, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen Yegor Surin play. So I'll write that name down. Excuse me. Nope. Let's not do that. Yegor Surin. Uh, oh, I apparently have seen this player play. When have I seen this guy play? Oh, I guess I have seen him in the MHL and I Googled him because the link is purple. Um, so just because I've seen him, 
Uh, I'm going to say he's really, really good. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I th Okay, I'll, I'll check him out. You can ask me about him again. Um, any thoughts on Yegor Klimovich? Yeah, I've seen him play. I, I don't buy it. I don't think he'll be on my list at the end of the year. Um, he's undersized. He's decently skilled, but I don't think the pace of his game is high enough to make it work. I think you could close him out really easily with, with tougher defenses. Um, I'm just not sold that he's this, he, you know, he, he's not Dmitry of Chinnikov, right? Like coming from the same team, you know, he's scoring a lot, but I, I don't see it projecting beyond the MHL, maybe to the VHL or maybe the KHL, but I don't, I don't really see it. Like, unless there's real, real improvements to, to the stuff that he's already good at, like he's good for an MHL skilled forward and drives play a lot better than a lot of guys, but I just don't think it's enough to, to make it a huge, um, make a huge, a huge dent, uh, a huge dent in Matejchuk, uh, in, on my, on my board. Uh, are there any players from last year's draft who has surprised you so far this year? Yeah. I mean, um, on, on to a certain extent, Jimmy Snuggerud, uh, for sure has been pretty impressive whenever, I, I mean, I was just watching him before this stream, so it's probably recency bias, but you know, I mean, the guy, the kid can shoot and that shot is on display in the NCAA. Um, but let's take a look, actually. Let's just, let's just take a quick look. Because I have been taking in quite a bit of 2022 guys uh, over the last little while and seeing who has been quite impressive or better than I expected them to be this year. Um, I thought Owen Pick. I think Owen Pickering's been having a good year, but again, that's not really unexpected. Um, Philip Beestead has been better than I thought he would be, for sure. Owen Beck, I think, has come a long way since last year. Um, in a lot of ways, I think. I think the smarts are there and I think the raw talent under the smarts are getting better. And that's a good, that's a good thing. Um, who else? Um, we'll do one more and then move on. I'm, I'm really impressed with Seamus Casey and how quickly he's gotten himself going in the NCAA. I thought he would need a year to sort of get used to it and get his feet moving and, and, and figure that out. Elias Salomonson also has been better than I thought he would be. Um, what about anyone at the bottom end of the draft just for funsies? Um, <laughs> I was watching a game not too long ago in the Finnish junior league and I saw Riku Tohila playing and he just dangled the pants off someone and he's six foot eight and it was just really funny to see that. But I mean, I don't know if there's anything there, but it was, it was fun to watch. Uh, who else? I mean, I guess we can stop there. Those guys have all been pretty impressive relative to what I expected. Um, Connor Havidston as well has been pretty good this year, but maybe, I don't know, maybe not like blowing my mind good. Um, I've seen some really impressive stuff out of Amadeus Lombardi at times um, as well. There's a few. There's a few. Um, there's a few. Do, do, do. Um, do you think Lane Hudson will be allowed to play on Arbor Jacques shoulders? I don't know why you'd want to do that, but, um, sure. How do you take into account face-offs when scouting centers? Is face-off performance in juniors projectable in your opinion? I don't think so. Just because face-offs are already basically a 50-50 thing in the NHL for most. Like if you're, if you're over 55%, like that's, that's great. Um, you're, you're a good face-off person. I think, I think... You know, I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I watch a lot of NHL, when I watch NHL hockey and see how they take face-offs and then go to juniors and how some people take face-offs in juniors, I'm going, yeah, this is night and day. Like, it's so completely different that it's not really a the point, a, a good thing for me. You know, I, I don't know. I look at face-offs, the, the way I see face-offs 
and this has come from talking to some some actual coaches over the years. My view on faceoffs, it's not so much about who wins the faceoff that really matters. It's about what you do when you win or lose a faceoff is what really matters. Like that, like faceoffs to me are a really important tactical moment in a hockey game. Like I think a lot of hockey, you can kind of skip out on real hard X's and O's tactics. But when it comes to, to a certain extent, but when it comes to winning faceoffs and getting set up, whether you win or lose, that's really important. And knowing where to be and when to get there, and if you know, knowing which players can get to the spots they need to be and when and how, that's all really, really important. So I always focus in terms of, on in terms of like what you know, what is a player doing after a faceoff is won or lost, rather than is this player winning or losing a faceoff. Um, and that, that's a very long conversation that you can have. And, and it's really, it's hard to say, well, this player is good because of this, that he does after a faceoff, because a lot of that stuff is, is pre-scouted and tactical. Um, what's Will Smith all about? Skill, 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 skill. When he's got the puck, he's a wizard. I found that when he doesn't, he sort of disappears, but boy, howdy, that kid can really play, uh, with the puck on his stick. He's a ton of fun to watch. Um, really, really high end skill. I mean, to me, he's in terms of offense, he's a top 10 guy. He's in my top 10 right now. And I've really, really liked what I've seen out of Will Smith this year. Really talented player. Um, have you changed your mind about Dumay? No. Uh, you put crystal in tier two thoughts on him and why other scouts put him so much lower. I mean, I love him. I mean, there's, there's so much that he does so well. The track data I have on him is off the wall. Good. Like it's just bonkers good both games tracked insanely good um a lot of areas of the game he's keeping up with like Connor Bedard which is insane to me he has more even strength production this year per 60 minutes on the ice than Connor Bedard does like he's doing a ton right I don't know why he's so low on teams lists like I feel like or on on public lists I get the feeling that some people look at him and see a lot of points and a small player that isn't named Connor Bedard or Matt V. Michkov with this years and years and years of, of resume building where they're like, yep, here, we're good. We're good. We're good. Hey, look at these two guys. They're really, really good. Here comes another small player that has a more typical, you know, NHL draft prospect trajectory point per game last year, which is very good for a, a draft minus one player. It's very, his production last year was very good, um, but it kind of got lost in the, in the ether. And this year I look at him and I'm going, yeah, I'm not really worried about him being small when I look at how he plays. You know, I, I'm just not worried about it. You're drafting him to play offense. You're drafting him to create. You're drafting him to score. And I think he'll have no problem doing that just based on the tools he's got already. Um, Stramel jumped up on your list quite a bit. Any thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I think I was just too low on him, mostly because the first game I tracked of him, he basically did nothing, and Wisconsin was horrible. But, I mean, he's a big kid. I watched a game, I didn't track the data, but I watched a game of his that I can't remember his opponent, but it wasn't some small level NCAA program. He was, you know, he was moving his feet. He gets around the ice pretty well. You know, he's got a decent set of hands. Like he kind of reminds, he and Matt Wood are kind of cut from the same cloth in terms of size and, and resilience and sort of generating a bit of foot speed, but not enough to really blow your mind and some good hands under pressure. But Wood just has offensive tools in the offensive zone that I don't think Strammel has. And Strammel has sort of physical tools that I just don't really see 
um, that I don't really see out of uh, out of Matt Wood. So they're kind of cut from the same cloth, but slightly different. Um, it's very it's very interesting um, to to watch Strammel this year, just because I've never been super thrilled with him. His production this year has been bad. He's very old for this draft year as a first time eligible, and I I don't know. I feel like he's going to be a guy that gets drafted at 18th overall becomes a decent physical, you know, bottom six, third line player in the NHL or something like that. Um, and I'm sitting there wondering why player XYZ is still available and, and swinging for upside. But I mean, at this point, that's pretty much par for the course in my work. Um, but I think he could be a good physical presence in the NHL. You know, he's got some hands as well. Just a good procedural dude, right? Like there's there's stuff to like. I'm just not as sold on him. And I think I just sort of found a middle ground where it's like, okay, he's not as bad as he was in that first game I saw. And in this game, he was better, but I still don't see quite that top 20 guy that he's been ranked uh, so far. Um, Tommaso DeLuca and Logan Warmald thoughts. I have not seen Warmald, but I know the name. I saw him last year, I think. Um, DeLuca... I don't know. I don't really see much out of DeLuca that's really sort of projectable to me. I think he's a perfectly fine junior player. Um, I don't know. There's not much for me to say about DeLuca. He's just kind of fine. Like, he's not bad. Again, I'm not... Like, when I when I say stuff like that, I don't I don't mean, like, you know, that they're bad. I, I... Like, this is the NHL draft. Like, you're drafting players who you really, really see something that you really want to nurture and, and fit into the NHL. And with DeLuca, I just haven't seen anything that really sticks out. And I haven't really seen anything that really holds him back outside of just not really being a standout somewhere. So I don't know. I'll, I'll take another look at him um, because it's been a while. But uh, yeah, and Logan Warmald, I will I will also add to the list. Um, let me do that now. Uh, Kevin Korchinski or Pavel Minchukov? Who's having a better start to their D plus one? Um... I'm going to, I don't know. It's a good question. I think they're both doing really, really well. Based on what I've seen of both, I'm going to lean Mintyukov mostly because he's back to that cowboy version of himself, playing a lot of offensive hockey, jumping into the offensive rush, using his skill, all that fun stuff. Um, Korchinski's doing the same thing too. Korchinski's playing just on a, a wagon of a hockey team in Seattle. Um, and Mintyukov's playing on a very good team for sure in Saginaw, a lot better than they were last year. But I'm still, I don't know, I still see out of Minchukov, like, I always like to see moments where I see defensemen and I go, yeehaw, right? Like, put on my, to put on my 10-gallon hat or whatever, I don't know, my, 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 uh, cowboy hat and just, you know, ride or die. Uh, and, and I think I see a little more of that in Minchukov, but Korchinski, I think, is playing relatively similarly, um, as a really, really good puck distributor and a really good puck transporter. Um, but Minchukov is more fun. So I don't know, but they're they're very very close at least based on based on what I've seen. Austin Brass, oh hello sir, long time, yeah, long time indeed. Um, yeah, it is unfortunate about the soccer. I agree. You take twenty two shots and you only hit the net three times, you're not going to win. Uh, how do you view players whose microstat data is good, but your qualitative scouting notes aren't good? Um, I mean, again, like the 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 stats aren't. The, the stats are the spinal cord, right? Like, to me, the way I see it is the, the, the micro stats are the spinal cord, right? You're, it's your back, the whole, the whole spinal column. It's, it's really important to know, but you could have the strongest back in the whole world, but 
weigh 300 pounds and be unable to run 100 meters and it's like well yeah you've got a great spine but i don't really see you winning you know winning a, a weight you know winning a weightlifting competition or winning a winning a 100 meter dash it's 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 very about the whole picture right and i i think when i look at players it's it's about you know obviously you want players who drive really good data and the qualitative stuff checks a lot of your boxes um when I look at players who drive really good data, but but don't really show stuff that I'm really looking for, it's really important to to understand why that data looks so good. Is it line mates that are helping them out? Um, where in their game are they good, right? Like last year, for example, Jordan Dumais, a lot of his transition data going both directions was very, very mixed. And for me at the Q level, that's not that's not very good, right? Like the Q is bad. And Dumais, if he wasn't just barreling up the ice as hard as he could in a straight line, it was it, he had trouble getting pucks up the ice. And he wasn't barreling up the ice very quickly. So to me, that's a problem, especially for someone five foot eight. But once he got into the offensive zone, he was just shoveling pucks into the middle of the ice constantly, and that's where a lot of his production comes from. So in some areas of his game, the microstats looked really, really good. And I'm going, okay, here's where a lot of his offense is coming from. But then I look at the other stuff and I'm going, okay, but I also have a few concerns and that's backed up by the data here. When they don't line up, it depends on, it really just depends on the player. Um, to me, the more, the older I get, the more experienced I get, the less I think I rely on the data to sort of check my eyes. But instead I sort of use the data as a backbone and then try to like zoom out and go, okay, but what are they doing to contribute to these results, be they good or bad, right? Like sometimes players have bad results and look like they're playing extremely well, right? Like a lot, but but what's more common is shot attempt differentials are atrocious, but the player in transition and trying to create offense, it's there, but to me, then there's indications that, okay, maybe the supporting cast around them isn't very good. It just really depends on the player uh, that, that you're looking at. So it's all over the place, but it's tough. Um, Mazden Leslie thoughts. Uh, he's not on my list. I know he's scoring a ton of points. Um, you know, I, I think when I've seen him play, all I really note about him is that he's got some pretty good hands. Like he's deceptive and uses his hands pretty well to sort of get around traffic. But, you know, he's not, he's not a particularly gifted defender. His footwork isn't great. His, his, his ability to get around the ice isn't as good as I think his production leads me to believe. Um, he's got some guys on his team that play a lot of minutes that I think at, up front like can really help finish plays that he starts. Guys like Samuel Honzik and and Jaden Lipinski, they're all they're having a pretty good year. So I don't know. I, I I think with Leslie, it's he's a guy that I'll have to check in on again over the course of the season. But I haven't really been blown away with his game uh, outside of sort of the skill level that he's got, and that's just for me as a defenseman, like not not quite enough. Like that's it, like Etienne Morin in uh, in the Quebec League is kind of similar where it's like okay I see your skill level and that's how a lot of his sort of good things happen but there's more to the game than just having good skill and I don't see a ton else with those two uh thoughts on 2024 eligible Ivan Demidov he rocks he's awesome he's a ton of fun um I really 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 like him and I think that there's a really bright future ahead for Ivan Demidov one of the better Russian prospects for next year I think how many 2023 prospects would go first in 2022? Uh, I would say at least three or four. Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, Benson. I I think I would take Benson over Shane Wright. 
Um, Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, though, I think definitely go over Shane Wright. Uh, thoughts on Matt Wood, and I know you're not huge into player comparables, but who is he similar to? Um, I just know for a fact that everyone is going to talk about Tage Thompson in context with Matt Wood because they went to the same college, they're both gigantic, and they both can shoot the puck. But I don't think Matt Wood is as skilled or as good a shooter uh, as Tage Thompson was when he was draft eligible. I think Matt Wood, I'm trying to think of who he reminds me of. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe like a, like a Justin Williams type guy, like a big, but not the, the, the fastest guy in the world gets the job done pretty good hands to get around, around traffic and everything. Um, not particularly flashy, but a decent finisher. Again, everybody holds Jason Williams in this, like, uh, or Justin Williams in this, is it Justin Williams? I already forget. Um, Justin, yeah, it is Justin Williams. I, I think people put him on a pedestal because of his playoff performance, but I'm talking about like regular season performance. And I think they're kind of similar, like bigger guys who can, who can finish plays and produce decently well. I, I think when you put Matt Wood on the power play, you'll also get a lot out of him in terms of just being a trigger man on the wings um, or in the bumper spot, just sort of banging away at pucks in the middle of the ice. But you know, I don't know. I, I'm a little lower on Wood than most people. I have him at 30. Um, just because I think there's a lot of weaknesses in his game where he's going to be very limited to, you know, a finisher's role and, and maybe just a supplementary transition player, which again, like, I don't think that's the most valuable thing in the world, but it, you need guys like Matt Wood for sure. But, and, and he's pretty good at what he does. Um, I just, I'm not sold on him as being like a top X player outside of just a first rounder and, and with some good offensive tools. How does Will Smith compare to Trevor Zegers in his D plus one? I mean, they try really, really bonkers plays. And that's, I mean, Zegers is the name that sort of popped up when thinking about Will Smith. I mean, when I think about Andrew Crystal, the name that pops up is is Trevor Zegers. I've seen Crystal try to do a lacrosse goal like two or three times this year, which is hilarious. Um, Zeg- but but I could see the comparison between Will Smith and Zegers. They're both, they're both remarkably high-skilled players. Um, I think Zegras moves around the ice a little bit better or did move around the ice a little bit better than Will Smith did at the same age. Um, but the creativity and the skill level certainly is sort of on the same, on the same page. What would Tanner Melendic need to do to get a better rating? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard with him. He's all feet, right? Like he's one of these defensemen that has great, like skating tools, but I watch him play and I'm going, okay, like you're fine. You get around fine. Everything is fine, but where's the off? Where's the offensive play, right? Like I want to see him, you know, working off the offensive blue line a little bit more. Um, he's just not. He's he's very much a defensive half of the ice type player right now. But he's got enough skill and mobility to 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 push a lot more offense. And I just haven't seen that. Maybe maybe I just am missing things. But I'm not surprised based on what I've seen of him that he's not really scoring at the same rate as some other defensemen that I have ranked. Like. Uh, guys like Reinbacher or even Lindstein or Kainoni uh, uh, and 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 um, Sandin Pelika and Gulyayev, like those guys, sort of work off the offensive blue line a lot. Sometimes maybe some of those guys too much. Um, but Melendic is just a very sort of straightforward, basic defense first guy that can really skate. But I kind of would want him pushing the envelope a little more offensively and playing a little more confidently. Not that he's not confident, but I mean offensively sort of take on more risks and, and try to create a little more. 
Uh, Edward Chalet thoughts. Kind of went over him a little earlier, but I, I'm a huge fan. Skilled, uh, you know, really, really, really smart player. Just like eyes on the back of his head, knows how to make plays, you know, really, really just smart player. Every single, most plays he makes, I'm sitting there going, yep, yep, that's probably a smart thing to do. Yep, that also was a pretty smart thing to do. He's like, oh, yep, that, he, the puck squirted out right where he thought it would. Okay, great, like that that's cool. Oh, there's a scoring chance. Oh, he followed up that scoring chance with a, with a, with a slot pass. Great, okay, mm, yeah. Like it's basically that the entire time. He's not overly flashy or overly, uh, you know, you don't look at, you don't watch Edward Chalet and go, oh my God, this guy's going to be on ESPN every single night. I don't think he's going to be that type of player, but he is going to be, I think, a rock solid NHL player that does a lot of things right. Um, thoughts on Michael Burchill. I like Burchill a lot. I mean, he's not ranked super high on my list, but I have an appetite to put him higher than I've got him. Uh, I think he's like in my third round somewhere right now. Um, something like that. Burchill or is he on my watch list? I can't remember. Burchill, Burchill, Burchill. Where are you? Oh, there you are. Early third round. Um, yeah, like a good straight line guy, skilled, drives a lot of offensive transition results really, really well. There's a lot to like about Burchill, and I'll have my eye on him for the rest of for the for the season. Because he's one of the I think he's one of the more impressive USHL players that aren't on the NTDP. Um he's I think he's right up there with uh, I mean there's a few that I have ahead of him, but but he's 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 looking pretty good from what I've seen. Um Uh, is Michael Hrabel the first goalie off the board? I'm hesitant to say yes, because, uh, I never would have thought Sebastian Kosa goes off the board before Jesper Wallstead. Um, I think Hrabel should be the first off the board. The only one I think I would consider over him is maybe Trey Augustine, but Hrabel's really tempting. Emil Yarventi, good or nah? Eh, I'm not totally sold on Yarventi. I don't, I, I'm not. I mean, he's he's got some pace in his game. There's a bit of skill, but I, I every time I've watched him, I'm going, all right. Like, I feel like when things get made more difficult for him, he's gonna have trouble. If he keep, if he plays against men a lot more down the stretch of the season, then I'll I'll definitely pay more attention to those games. Um, but yeah, I haven't been blown away with Emil Yarventi this season. <clears throat> Excuse me. How would you describe Carlson's season and who would you compare to his draft season to of previous Swedes? Um, I'm trying to think of Swedes that I can really think about with Cali with 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 Leo Carlson. Um, I'm assuming you mean Leo Carlson and not Cali Carlson. Um, but yeah, I mean I I mean his season so far has been great. I I think I think I the the, the first couple of times I saw Carlson, I was kind of wondering what all the fuss was about. And then I think he sort of got a lot better once he settled into the SHL and, and this season and and sort of took on a bigger role and, and really sort of got some confidence with the puck especially. I feel like in the first few games I saw him, he was just figuring things out and like not really touching the puck a whole lot and, and just kind of struggled to sort of play a, a, a certain type of game. But now he's really sort of figured out that north-south power skill game that 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 all the NHL teams really are looking for right now. Um, I, I know Mikhail Holm is in here trolling, um, which is always fun, but he, you know, he kind of compared him to being like, uh, you know, he kind of is like, he's the best Swedish player that he's, he's kind of up that sort of Forsberg slash sort of Sundin alley of resilient, 
you know, resilient physical guys that take a beating but still make great plays. They've got great hands, great size. They can do a whole bunch of things really well. Um, I mean, I, I've, I like him more than I think any Swede in the last few years, except, I mean, maybe Lucas Raymond I liked more watching him in 2020. Like, Lucas Raymond was good AF when he was a draft eligible, and I think Carlson is probably the best I've seen at that level since him. Um, but be, before him... I don't know, like 2019 was like Nils Hoglander, and I certainly like Carlson more than him. Um, Jonathan Berggren, like certainly like him more than Berggren. I don't know, yeah, like it, it, he's 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 right up there. Uh, thoughts on Gavin Brindley? I love him. I mean, I, I should love him because he's ranked 10th on my board. Um, again, you look at his points, and yeah, you might think I'm crazy, but I see a player who is really smart and everything he does just drives results in the right direction. He's good on both sides of the puck off and off it skilled, selfless, just a, a really good creator for line mates. And I really respect players that do that. Um, he's got some finish as well. I mean, I, I think that the production is lower than, than, than where it should be based on how I've seen him play. Um, so I'm hopeful that it sort of catches up over time, but I have no qualms with Gavin Brindley being a really, really highly rated player in this year's draft. I've been watching him play in the USHL for two years, three years, it feels like. Um, and he's been impressive the entire time. And I can't, I can't wait to see where he goes in the draft. Cause I'm a huge fan of Gavin Brindley's game. Um, Lucas Dragasevich player comparison. See, that's really hard because Dragasevich is given a lot of freedom with tri city he is given the green light to put pucks on net constantly. Um, let's just take a look at my tracked data. Um, his name is Dragasevich. Like, so he's not like, so with Dragasevich, like he's scoring a lot of points. Absolutely. I think he also does a pretty good job stepping into space, you know, getting chances on rebounds and loose pucks in the middle of the ice. He's got a great shot. Um, you know, he's, he's shooting from the point, not a ton, but quite a bit. Um, but there's just nothing in the track data so far after almost 35 minutes of five on five ice time where I'm really sort of blown away, really, really low defensive transition involvement, really okay. Offensive involvement on the, on the, on the transition side of the game and not particularly successful offensively. Just seems like his foot speed really holds him back, but then his offensive tools put points on the board. So I have him in the second round, and I could see him being a player that might struggle for five-on-five -five NHL minutes, but has some good power play traits if there's a role for him in that way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He's he's fine. I, I Again, it's not the last time I'll see him play. I'll see him play many times before the end of the year, but... Um, I just, I, when it, when it comes to moving pucks and passing him around, I think there's problems. Um, and those have been consistent every time I've seen him play and, and just a lot of foot speed problems that I think kind of hold him back. But maybe, uh, maybe again, maybe I'm just missing something here. Um, Dower Nilsson lighting up the J20 in Sweden is potential. Is there potential there? I'm not as high on Dower Nilsson as, as his production might think or might lead you to believe he's in my early, he's in my late second right now. Really, really skilled player. Um, really good finisher. He's similar to his brother, right? Like when I watched his brother play, I thought, okay, like Liam 
is very skilled and and there's 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 talent there but his foot speed and and skating stride and and ability to keep up with play was kind of questionable and i think that's been what holds him back a lot from shl success so far liam that is and i think noah has a lot of the similar issues like he's scoring a ton of points um but you know i just i don't really see a tremendous amount that I'm going, okay, yeah, like this guy is really going to make some waves. Like I have him lower than Noel Nord by one spot and they're in the same tier, but I like Noel Nord a little better because he's big and rangy and physical and makes plays under pressure. And I think there's just more that's projectable there. He applies himself at both ends and, and, and works real hard. Dower Nilsson just capitalizes on chances really, really, really well. Um, and drives pretty good results doing it. I don't know. I, I just, I just don't think it lines up with the production that I've, that I've seen out of him. Um, a lot of the best players from the HEO are leaving to play in the GTHL. Do you know much about these leagues? Not really, but I do know the GTHL is where it's at when it comes to finances and the quality of facilities and everything, as far as I understand it. So it makes sense. Um, everybody would want to play in the GTHL. It's just extraordinarily expensive to do that, so I don't know. Um, but I don't know a tremendous amount of the inner workings of those leagues. Uh, Fink on Brooks. Yes, Aiden Fink was removed from my list. Who's the Tyler Boucher of this year? Bro, it is way too early to ask me who's going to get drafted way too early. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not even December yet. Like, it's not even 2023. Let's, let's, let's slow down. Do you think this draft is thin on defense or are we missing people because the forwards are so highly touted? Um, I think it's both. I think both is happening. Um, when I look at the defensemen this year, there's a lot of fun ones and a lot of safe ones. I don't, I don't think there's that many really good ones, but I think like there's fun ones in, um, a guy like, uh, Dragosevich is kind of fun to watch. Melendic is a lot of fun to watch. Um, Gennady Charlie is a lot of fun to watch. Um, Boakey can be fun to watch, but these guys are pretty raw. Um, Caden Price at moments is really fun to watch, but again, really raw, and you're really betting on on development and upside. Um, Mikhail Gulyayev, fun as hell to watch as long as he has the puck. If he does not have the puck, he is bad. But you hope that over time he gets better defensively or the offense outweighs the defense. Honestly, the latter might not be so bad, um, based on how good he is with the puck, but yeah, scary stuff. Uh, same thing with Sandy Pelica. Maybe not as bad, but really fun to watch. But I'm not sold on actually being like rock solid. I think David Reinbacher is a guy, and Jakob Dvorak too, are guys that I think could be solid defensemen. But I don't think they're going to be massive minutes eaters in the NHL. I mean, maybe Reinbacher if he puts on some strength and and really sort of like he wants to play a certain way and i don't think he's quite there yet um but yeah i don't know there's there's a lot to like about the defensemen this year it's just not they're just not on the same level as for as the forwards and i don't really see any extraordinarily high value guys right now but i see some really fun ones that you could bet on and i see some other ones that i think could become dependable nhl players like dmitry simishev is a guy where i'd want to urge him to maybe be a bit more offensive with the way that he plays but Based on how he plays now, like also if he sort of settles in as a good second pair two way guy that can play defense first, then I'm not I'm not I'm not scared of that at all. 
Do you think that there's an eligible player from the Quebec League that actually has some projectability? I know you're not too fond of that league. And this year, I don't know. Last year, I mean, last year I came across Alexis Gendron halfway through the year. I kind of stumbled onto him. Um, so maybe there's going to be one of those. Like, I mean, Ethan Goche is a guy that I think is draftable for sure. I just, I mean, I feel like he's going to get drafted 20th overall or something or 25th overall. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, no, I'll, I'll pass. Cause I just, the things I see him doing in Quebec, it's like, okay, yes, there are some tools that are fun. And, and at moments you're like, yeah, okay, great. But it's not nearly consistent enough for me to, for, to, to overcome the biases I have from watching so much of the Quebec league over the years. I just don't, I really, really struggle to, to, to see the Quebec league and look at how it, how they play and go, Yes, like the good players will come from this league a lot, especially the ones who score a lot of points. I don't know. I just, I don't see it. Again, I think I said this last week, like some of the defensive play in the queue is shocking. Like it's, they just let you do whatever you want. So if you push them on your, if you push guys on their heels, you can get away with murder and the goaltending is not very good. I don't know. It's just really hard for me to look at the queue and, and, how the players play and I'm going, yeah, like this league is, is keeping up with the rest of the junior world with, with just how good these players are, um, everywhere else. I just, I just haven't seen it. Um, rank these Canadian pop stars. Oh, hell yeah. Here we go. Uh, Shania Twain, Avril Lavigne, Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, frig. Um, Okay. Hot takes. Here's the hot take. Number one, people are gonna people are gonna lose it. Number one, I'm putting Carly Rae Jepsen. Number one, hundred percent. Maybe ninety five percent confident on that one. I'm not a hundred percent sold on it, but I think like Carly Rae Jepsen's one of those artists where I I go, oh really? Like Carly Rae Jepsen's still around? And then I listen to her music and I'm like, these are some bops. Like these go. These are some good. These are some good songs, right? Like pretty good songs and and i i respect that right like consistently underrated to me is like a great place to be um avril lavigne and shania twain are is that's a that's like borderline torturous for me i mean i grew up with avril lavigne like when i was in sixth grade complicated dropped and the whole world changed in in, in elementary school for me it just was a whole other universe uh all of a sudden and um for Shania Twain like what can you say just hit after hit after hit after hit after hit um and so many just good hits from like a variety of different musical styles Avril Lavigne I'm gonna put Shania Twain 2 and Avril Lavigne 3 Avril Lavigne had an incredible start and I think things just kind of petered out a little whereas Shania Twain had like staying power like she just wrote banger after banger after banger after banger for like a decade and that's pretty remarkable avril lavigne once she kind of went into different worlds with her music and not with the whole like grungy side of things i kind of she kind of lost me a little bit so i think carly ray jepson is at the top though just because i think she just writes great tunes and shania twain for just the the star power and the staying power and then I think Avril Lavigne's at the bottom, but probably the most meaningful of the three to me as a person, just because of that first album. I bought that CD, man. Like it was, it was, it was a time. Uh, 
Oh, and rate these 2022 draftees based off this season's performances. Lutz, Sakura, Goyet. I'm going to put Goyet 1, Sakura 2, and Lutz 3. I'd say Sakura and Lutz are pretty close. Does Vasily Atanasov and Alex Suvorov get a look in this year's draft? Well, Suvorov is five foot seven and plays in uh, Sharapovets, so probably not. But I think he should have been drafted multiple times at this point. Atanasov, I haven't seen enough of this year to really give you a good answer. But based on what I've seen, like, yeah, I could see him getting a draft pick. I don't think he's quite good enough to be an NHL player, personally. I think Suvorov has a bit more projectable traits in his game. But... I don't mind a Tanisov, and if someone wanted to draft him in the later rounds, yeah, of course, take a swing on him. Um, thoughts on Ethan Goche? He seems to have dropped down in some rankings in the past few weeks. I'm not a fan of Ethan Goche. I'm just not. Uh, I, I, he's just not. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's much there. And yeah, he, he's dropped in some rankings. I, I don't know. I've watched three or four games of his and tracked two. I think three games of I've tracked two games. No, I think I've only tracked one game of Goche and watched three. I just don't see it. Like I, I, he's one of these guys where I just sort of go, I don't, I don't want, I don't want it. Like, it's like a kid. It's like my mom dragging me to the grocery store when I was 10, right? Like, I don't want to go to the grocery store. Like I'm, I'm already, I'm 10 mom. Like, let me stay at home. Like you don't need to leave. You don't need, I don't need a babysitter or anything. Just leave me at home. Like I won't, I won't get my sister injured or anything or whatever. It's fine. And she takes me to not, she takes me to Knob Hill farms anyways. Um, what do you think Nate Danielson's potential is? Thoughts on White Law? Okay, so Nate Danielson, I again, he's one of these guys where I came into the season thinking that I wouldn't really like Nate Danielson. I wouldn't really like his game, but he has really changed my mind. Like I think there's a ton to work with with Nate Danielson that you could you could deal with. He's an incredible north-south player. Just gets up the ice so so well. One of the faster guys blue line to blue line I've tracked this year, and that surprised me, but he's one of these guys that I think is bigger than he's listed, and he moves. Like, he's he doesn't look like he's moving very fast, but it's why I track blue line to blue line time, because he's big, and he gets up the ice real well. Um, really dangerous playmaker from all over the ice. Like, he reminds me of, like, a better version of Nathan Gaucher from last year, just not maybe as physical, like, but he has skill, and he can really shoot the puck. Um just a really talented player all around that drives really, really good results. And I, I, I like Nate Danielson a lot. And I feel like he's one of these guys that is a, a hockey Canada guy, but I, I watch him and I go, yep, yep. I buy it hundred percent. I'm with you. Um, I, I think he's a really talented player and white law. I'm glad that white law is finally heating up in the USHL. I thought he was really snake bitten there for a long time. He's up to 36% involvement, which is great. Um, I love William Whitelaw. I think he's a, a, an extraordinarily talented, skilled forward. Again, similar to a guy like Crystal or Perron or Will Smith, you're not drafting these guys to play a ton of defense. You're drafting them to to wow people. You're drafting them to score points, win games, you know, and get fans out of their seats. And I think Whitelaw will certainly be one of those guys, even if he's a little bit lower than some of the ones I, I just mentioned. But I'm a huge fan of William Whitelaw. Uh... Did you have time to watch Marco Rossi last week? Yes, I did, actually. I watched two games of him playing with the Wild. So someone in the chat last week said that he reads it as doing a lot of things right, but just not scoring. And I think that's fair. I think with Rossi, like, he's not... Rossi's not a trigger man, right? Like, he's not a guy who can find a loose puck in the offensive zone anywhere and blast it on net and score. I don't think he's, I don't think his shot quality is there yet. Um, 
But I, I watch Marco Rossi and I go, yeah, like this guy, this guy's not going to learn anything by going back to the AHL playing this way. Like he's still all over the ice making really good defensive plays, especially he's all over the ice making smart little passes here and there. He's, you know, the, the skill level. Yeah. Sometimes like he can, I think he might be gripping his stick a little too much and trying to make too much happen. An extra skill move here and there. And he's losing control of the puck a little too quickly. I, I, I think that it's just a matter of settling into the league and, you know, I, th- I think he's the type of, I think he's the kind of guy who wants to win and be good so bad and has been through so much and is back in the NHL way faster than I thought he would be that, you know, it's like, it's, it's almost kind of like in his head that it's not quite there yet i mean i watched one game where he was playing with like brandon duhame or something and i can't remember his other line mate and i'm sitting there going yeah these guys aren't a match right like you're not he's not helping rossi produce and rossi's not helping duhame produce but i've seen the other game i watched he was playing with mason shaw and connor dewar i really like how mason shaw's been playing with minnesota when he's played um, and I think he and Rossi played really well together and Dewar has offensive finishing tools. I think that are also pretty decent, even if he might not be the the ideal guy for me to play with Marco Rossi. But, you know, look, I, I think Marco Rossi, the promising thing is in the preseason, he was playing when he was playing with the real big dogs in Minnesota, he didn't look out of place. And that's something that you can carry forward. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, you just, if I were, say, um, Dean Evason, or if I were Bill Guerin, I mean, I'd be in Rossi's ear all the time being like, look, man, like, don't worry about the the points, right? Like the points are not why you're in the NHL, right? Like he's a guy who's been through a lot. He, he had a really good year in the AHL last year, but wasn't like dominant. Um, but I, I look at Rossi and I go, yeah, like things are going okay, but the point, the puck's just not going in. You're not generating, you're not generating offense, but a lot of things are happening that that are good. And it, I think, again, it's just a matter of like time and experience and trying things and knowing what he can get away with. Um, and I'm just, I'm just not sure he's a hundred percent there yet. And I think that's kind of what's holding back his production. Um, oh, Tony Ferrari's here. Get the hell out of here. Go away. I know you're proud of me, but I don't care. Go away. Uh, thoughts on the goalies, Zavragin and Volokhin. I have not seen either of them. I meant to look at Zavragin, and honestly, I completely forgot until you mentioned his name. So uh, I will uh, put their names in a Google search so I don't forget. Oh, that's not, not that text. I, that's not. Okay. Um... Uh, why Will Smith isn't ranked in the top 10? I have no idea. I can't answer. Uh, do you know why Frank Nazer isn't playing yet? Yeah, he's injured. Uh, I think it was a knee injury. I could be wrong, but he got hurt before the season started. Um, you should check out the most recent Kyle Clifford goal in the AHL. It shows how big the skill gap is between the AHL and NHL. Yep, that's fair. Um, what are the stats on screen? What does each one mean? I'm assuming you mean in here. So I'll just run through these before. Cause yeah, I guess there might be new people in the, in the stream this week. Um, so yeah, you got the player name, team they play for, the league they're playing in, the position they're listed on elite prospects playing, the height listed on elite prospects, um, games, goals, assists, and points. Um, this is involvement percentage, so it's basically the percentage of team offense the player is involved in. So if the team scores three goals per game and the player has a point and a half per game, 
um, then that's a 50% involvement. This is primary points at even strength, um, and this is just even strength. So if you remove secondary assists and remove uh, special teams goals um, for by the team and look at their involvement percentage there, and their even strength involvement is including secondary assists, um, this is just when they're on the ice, their even strength goals four per 60. Um, by the way, 5.3 is hilarious and insane. Um, and even strength goals against is obviously the opposite. Um, these are not done yet. I have to figure out a way to recalculate these because, um, a good friend of the show, uh, Dave McPherson has been, uh, uh, he, he, he his site to pick 224 is dormant for now. Um, so I think it's coming back next year, but I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. So I'm trying to find a workaround and, and try to code myself a solution to this and figure out how to do it. But I haven't been able to, to iron that one out. Uh, IPP is individual points percentage. So it's basically when a goal is scored at even strength on the ice, um, is how many how many, what's the percentage of the player getting a primary point? So a goal or a primary assist or any kind of point, um, Shot attempts per 60, pretty straightforward. Just how many times per 60 minutes they're shooting the puck on the net. 25 is enormous. I don't know why the color is that for the conditional formatting. I might need to tweak that. Um, goals percentage is involvement percentage, but just for goals, and that's all situations. Um, average rank. Uh, NHL e-score is a metric I made up where usually 20-ish is typical first-round production, maybe closer to 25 but it's basically just a position league and age adjusted rate of production for the player. So defensemen will get a boost because they don't score as much. Um, younger players will get a boost because they're younger. Older players will have it reduced a little because they're older. Uh, the league difficulties are out there that you can find and that's, it's all just adjusted for that. And this is just a percentile of, uh, of, of NHL e score. Um, so if you know what percentiles are, it's the percentile is the, 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 the number of, like if basically what this says is if there were a thousand people in a room, Connor Bedard would have a higher NHLE score than 998 of them. There'd be one person higher than him. A 100th percentile would be the top dog. Um, do, 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 where are we? Uh, defenseman with the highest ceiling. Honestly, I think that might be Caden Price. I think if Caden Price's development goes really, 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 really well, I think it could be the best defenseman to come out of the draft. Um, Sandine Pelica also is pretty high up there as well. I think offensively, there's a lot to like with Gulyayev. Like if you want, uh, I'm trying to think of who he reminds me of. Like he kind of is like the, he's kind of like the, like the Russian Ryan Merkley kind of where like, that's kind of the night and day difference between offense and defense. And I mean, I'm okay with that. You take a chance on that and, and bet on the offense and in the right situation, it can work. Um, so it depends, it depends on, on seal on what you mean by ceiling. Um, but I, I look at a guy like Caden price and go, yeah, it's not there yet, but he's extremely young and you give it time and maybe there could be something there. Um, but like I said earlier, I look at a lot of these defensemen and go, I see a lot of fine, potentially fine NHLers and not a ton of absurdly high upside guys. Uh, is Lane Hudson skating going to stagger his transition to the NHL? Mm, I think it's too early to tell. Uh, it's, it's too early to tell. Uh, let's give him, um, let's, let's give him a year again to, to really go back and, and figure it out. Cause I, I think that it's better than it was last year and that's promising. And I need, you know, it's going to need to get even better. If you find a player in, 
if you find a player in their draft year, do you go back and watch any of their games from previous seasons? Um, it's a good question. I'm trying to remember. Sometimes I will, especially if there's a really limited sample. But I watch a lot of guys in the offseason. I don't watch everybody that ends up on my finalist in the offseason, obviously. But I watch a I, I, I in in certain cases I will go back and watch previous seasons, but most of the time not a not a ton. Um, do you know anything about Mazden Leslie? Yeah, he's got hands. Um and, and that's really all I've really been able to pick up about him. The rest, real mixed bag, and I I, I don't have him ranked right now. Um Okay, Colby Barlow's on a ripper tonight, scoring three three goals the, the last I checked here. Good for him. Uh, again, Colby Barlow's a guy I might need to just go back and watch more of because whenever I've watched him in track data, it has not been very good. Um, what's the better league, QMJHL or MHL? Ooh, Q? QMJHL, I would say. QMJHL at least has a physical edge to it. The MHL doesn't really have that. And the bad teams in the MHL are... Oof, like, like bad. They're bad. Um, where's Colby Barlow on your list? Uh, late second right now, so fifty-five. Um, any chance Mitchkov slips past the top five? Uh, yeah, I think it's possible, but not really because he's like, because of his contract or because of Russia things. Um, I just think he will go a little later than people think because he's maybe not a top five guy. Like, I think he's in that conversation. It would be, I think it would be surprising to me to see him slip past the top five, but I don't, I think there's a decent, there's a sizable chance that it's possible. But again, it's, it's still late. It's mid to late November. Um, I know we're a few years away, but is Misa legit? I, I mean, I think so. I think he's pretty good. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's performed really, really well. I mean, I've seen Saginaw a little bit. He drives up the ice really well with possession. He, he, he's got a lot of speed in a straight line. He, he's confident. He carries the puck really, really well. Um, but yeah, I, I've liked what I've seen out of, out, of, uh, out, of, out of both Misa brothers, to be perfectly honest, this year. I wish, uh, I wish uh, his brother uh, in Mississauga was eligible this year, um, but we'll just have to wait until next year. Uh, where's the next French superstar? Doesn't look like Lafreniere will be it. I don't know. There is a guy who was drafted last year in the Q draft who was at Stansted, um, who I've always really liked, but I haven't seen anything of this year, and I don't think he's performing particularly well. I need to find out his name, but I thought he was really good last year. Um, just goes to show the level, the level of play that Shattuck played, but uh, QMJHL uh, entry draft, that's the one, in 2022. What was his name? Bill Zonin's pretty fun, but I don't think he's Quebecois. Um, Gabriel Dagla is off to a really good start in his QMJHL career in, in net. Maybe there's something there. Um, oh, Jeremy LaRue. That's his name. Shakutami drafted him. Um, this kid. Yeah, he's got eight points in 23 games, but I remember watching him last year and being really, really, really impressed. Um, so I'll have to check him out again this year to make sure that I, I stand by that. Um, but also Bill Zonin is a guy who, oh, he is from Quebec. Okay. So he's from Montreal. I really like what I've seen out of Bill Zonin over the years. Uh, I saw him play prep school a little bit last year, um, and and I'm thrilled to see him. Uh, I'm thrilled to see him uh, doing his thing and and playing pretty well with Ruin Naranda this year. And yeah, I mean, there's also Gabriel Daigle, who's a 920 goals, uh, a 920 save percentage through his first five QMJHL games, which is pretty neat. 
Um, but we don't, we don't, we don't talk about this. We just don't want to, we don't, we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, watched any of Acadie Bathurst this season? If so, I have not seen anything of Acadie Bathurst this year. Have you seen that Norwegian kid on Mura? Uh, Michael Brenseg Nygaard, I think is his name. Uh, yeah, I have. Um, Mora actually has done a lot of really good things with their program over the last couple of years. Like it wasn't too long ago where they were really at the basement uh, of 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 their of the league there. Um, yeah, like saved in relegation every year from 2011 through 2019 until the pandemic. Um, and then when they came back from the pandemic, they made the playoffs and went to the quarterfinals. So they, you know, they they were not <laughs> they were not a very good team for a very long time, and um, finally they've really gone with the international approach, draft picking up a lot of guys from around Scandinavia, especially in Norway. I mean, Brandsik Nigard has been good for sure. I am a little skeptical about how much there is there with him, but he's been very very good this year. Um, I saw one game of his in the uh, in the uh, Hockey Allsvenskan. And he looked pretty good in in that level. Um, I'll definitely have my eye on him next year. But him and and Petter Vesterheim have both played really well. I think this year, um, Vesterheim's a guy that I'm actually meaning to to take a look at more in detail this season. Um, so hopefully that'll be soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brancic Nigard has had a, a pretty good year, especially for sure. It's it's just important to remember that he is an 05, and next year we'll see how he does. Ideally, in a full uh, hockey Elsvenskan season. Um, any players in recent drafts that remind you of David Deharnay? I don't, I don't know. No, I can't, I can't tell you. I don't really remember watching a whole lot of David Deharnay, Mr. Bong Ripper. Thoughts on Carson Rekhoff and Matteo Kochi? Yeah, so, um, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Matteo Kochi is a Czech defenseman. I've seen a bit of him. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really see a ton out of him that I really, uh, that I re- <laughs> thank you, Raybro. Remember to drink water. That's very true. Um, but, but Kochi, Co- oh, he's not in here. Um, like he's, I don't know. I, I'll have to take a look at him in the Czech top division. If he's played there, he hasn't. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really think there was a tremendous amount there when I watched him at the Holinka this year. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll take another, I'll take another, I'll take another peek at him. I'll put this over here and, and save it for later. Um, and Carson Rekhoff, I liked him at the Holinka. I thought he had some nice isolated moments, but I just have fallen off on him quite a bit. There's just other OHL guys that I've been more impressed with guys like Matthew Soto. I've really liked, uh, especially considering that he's almost a 2024 eligible guy. Um, like Colby Barlow's in there too. Um, Nick Lardis. I've really liked Colson Petrie. Pitra, Pitra, I think. I don't, I don't really, I, I listen to games on mute, forgive me. Um, but I, I, those, those guys have also been really impressive to me. I've liked Owen Outwater. Um, Cooper Foster in Ottawa has also had some moments that I, that I like. I mean, I feel like Carson Rekhoff is not that much of a step in any direction from uh, a Cooper Foster or maybe, uh, maybe, you know, an Outwater or Colson Petrie. They're all kind of in the same boat, um, but I just haven't really been blown away with with Rekhoff. And when I took a deeper look at him, I was a little disappointed. Uh, is Michkov similar to Kucherov? I uh, I don't I don't think so. I don't know, I, and I don't know who I'd compare him to. It's hard, right? Like, it's the same. It's it's a it's a problem I think that I wrestle with. Is like what happens when I look at a player and I go, uh, who is this guy in the NHL? Um, 
and I honestly don't know. I, I, I um, like, are, are we looking at the second coming of Peter Bondra, right? Like, is, is he the next Peter Bondra? Nothing wrong with that. Peter Bondra had a hell of a career, um, but he was pretty much known as a goal scorer. I think there's assets with playmaking to like with, um, with Michkov that aren't goal scoring, but it doesn't really come out very often. And I think, I think, I mean, I need to look more into Michkov. I've only tracked one game this year and I should do more. Um, and I've seen, I think four or five games of his this year, but yeah, I mean, he's, I, I wouldn't compare him to Kucherov. I don't think, but he, he brings a lot of interesting tools to the table for sure. I just don't know who in the NHL he really reminds me of. Um, have you seen Lukash Hesh or Adam Shabi? I have not. I will look at those two as well. Lukash Hesh and Adam Sasabi. Okay. Um, and no, I'm not ignoring your question, Mr. Ferrari, just because you work for the hockey news and you should know these things yourself. So you don't make me do the work for you. Uh, I'm just kidding, by the way. I love you, buddy. Uh, thoughts on Jesse Kiskinen. He's scoring a ton of points, but I don't buy it. I don't know. I've watched a couple of games of Kiskinen this year and just haven't really, again, it's similar to like when someone asked me about Tommaso DeLuca earlier. Like I look at him and I'm just not sure what I want to see out of him that really is like, you're an NHL player because of this. I don't, I don't really know. Like maybe his skill at some points, I'm just like, okay, now I kind of see it, but I don't like consistently. I just don't, I don't know. Um, and, and the more, again, the more time goes by, the less and less I really like the idea of Finnish junior level prospects. Like people were talking and talking and talking about Samuel Salmanen for a long time. And I never really saw it. Um, Oh, did I lose it? Oh no, we're still good. We're still good. Uh, weird. My, my, my spreadsheet just froze. Um, but in, in any case, um, but yeah, I mean, with 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 Kiskinen, maybe there's something there. But but with Finnish junior hockey, I I over time have just gotten cooler and cooler on that level. Um, and I think with Finnish players, a lot of the time, I really value how they play if they play against men at all. Uh, a comparison for Bedard. Look, I think Connor Bedard is Connor Bedard. I I I look at him and I don't really know. Like he's so unique. Um that I'm trying to think of who he kind of reminds me of. Like, because there aren't very many, for for starters, there aren't very many centers in the NHL who are 5'9", for starters, let alone centers in the NHL who are 5'9", and score a crap load of goals. Um, um, but, I mean, I don't know. It's, I'm trying to, I don't know. Um... Like everybody points at Braden Point when they look at five foot nine centers, but he's not he's better than Braden Point, I think. Um I don't know. I don't I don't know. I'll have to I that's the thing, right? Like it, 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 to me it's you know, he's not I don't think he's as much high level player as Connor McDavid, but it'd be like asking me who who's the player comp comparison for Connor McDavid in the NHL or Sidney Crosby. And you're like, well, I don't know, like no one really plays like him at the level that he plays at, right? Like that that's kind of why he's so special is because he's kind of, you know, who does Eric Lindros remind you of in the NHL? I don't know. He's going to make his own path, right? Like that's how good he is. He's going to do whatever it is that he does so well at a rate at a in a way better than everybody else. So, 
I don't really know. I, I don't have a good answer for you. Do you think Carlson projects as a center in the NHL? Oh, I think so. Uh, big, strong, physical guy, great skill under pressure. Yeah, I, I definitely, big time, um, big time. Uh, are USHL guys underrated usually? I think so. I think the USHL, like I will dip into the USHL over the QMJHL every single day of the week. Um, I think this year there's a really strong group of USHL players, even just ignoring the NTDP. Um, like Jaden Perron, I think is remarkably talented. I think William Whitelaw has about as much upside as any other offensive player in the draft this year. Maxim Sturbach and Gennady Chali, I think are great, fun defensemen to watch. Um, especially Chali. Like Chali's kind of like, if you don't get Gulyayev, you can go get Gennady Chali and get a lot of really fun echoes in his game. And he's also really young. Sturbach, I think is more balanced. Um, just brings a good sort of presence to the game at both ends. Skilled and, and crap, you know, skilled, but I, 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 you know, he's, he's a decent, he's a decent option if you want a well-rounded defenseman as well. I like Michael Burchill, James Hong. Someone mentioned him in the Discord the other night, and I went and watched a couple of games of him, and he's been really good. Um, Cole Knubel, I think, is another USHL guy that deserves another look. Griffin Erdman, I've really, really liked. I'm Erdman kind of is like my Kenta Issa guy already, where I'm watching him and I'm going, how is this guy not scoring more? Like, what is this guy doing that is wrong? Because his his metrics on my tracking are outstanding, pretty much across the board, and he's just got no points. I don't know why, um, but to me, I would not, I would not sell low on Griffin Erdman. I really liked him at the Holinka. I, I mean, even again, similar to like uh, Denver Barkey, I look at him and I go, okay, I can see why you're not really scoring a ton because the skill level is not extraordinarily good. He's a little small, but the determination and the off puck play and and the work rate that he puts out and the speed that he's got is just so impressive that I can't ignore it. Like, I really like what I see out of Griffin Erdman. And then there's just a whole bunch of guys on my watch list from the USHL that I've really liked. Connor Brown, Cameron Johnson, Dylan Hercoian, uh, Kenta Isagai. I like Gavin Thorison uh, quite a bit, but I'm, I'm still not sure what I think about him. I did a game of Tanner Adams yesterday. He played pretty well in that game as well. Caden Sheehan. I like him as well in, a, in in certain areas of the game that, that, are, that, you know, it's on my watch list. But there's a lot of, w, of USHL guys that get me going, and the Q, I don't think I have any Q guys ranked right now. Is there any reason why Gulyayev and Palika aren't higher in everybody else's draft lists? I mean, Gulyayev on average is ranked 15th, and I've got him at 11, so I don't think it's, I don't think that's really the case. Sandy, again, I think, I think inertia in scouting is a real thing, right? Like, if scouts have been watching guys for like two or three years going into their draft year, it's hard to move that rock to go, this kid really improved and really improved to the point that other players that I like are now behind this player. Like, I feel like that, that switch can be difficult. Like Sandine Pelica to me at 30 is way too late. Like that guy is really talented and really poised and really clever and I had never seen him play before this season. And and I don't know. He 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 stood out to me immediately this year, um, playing in the Champions League with a men's team. And but I think people, if it's unfamiliar to them, if it's sort of outside the box for what you expected coming into the year, I think a lot of people go, Okay, well let's give it some time and let's whatever, let's see how this goes. 
because you never know. Maybe Callum Ritchie's just taking three months to get into get into you know in into form, and we're all going to look pretty silly. And maybe Sandy and Pelica just had a really strong month, and he's actually poo poo. I don't think that's the case, but you never know. Um, Jeremy, hi Will. Please tell Gary. Oh, we're back with the Gary stuff uh, to stop underrating Whitelaw. I mean, it depends on where you got Whitelaw, Gary. If if you're talking like fourth round, then yeah, you better stop underrating him. But I mean, if you have him a little lower than I do, I don't blame you. There's parts of his game where I could see it making you want to rip your head right off your neck. But I also, there's a lot of good stuff with William Whitelaw, I think. And he's a lot of fun. And if he's a guy that you draft in the early second round, like if you come out of the draft this year with like Adam Fantilli and William Whitelaw, not so not so bad. You could do a lot worse. Uh, thoughts on Braden Kessler. Does he have much NHL potential? Um, I've liked him whenever I've seen Flint this year. He's perfectly fine, but I don't I don't think there's NHL upside with Kessler. I I mean, maybe if you plant him with the Marlies for a couple of years, maybe he's a guy that could work out, but I don't I don't see a tremendous amount of uh I don't see a tremendous amount of potential there, uh, with, with what I've seen out of him as a as a twenty. I think he's twenty, turning twenty years old in uh Turning 20 years old in, uh, what is it, the OHO? Is Cole Eiserman touted at one in 2024? Bruh, it's only 2022. I don't know. Uh, I, I know that there's quite a few good players in 2024. I mean, I've liked Eiserman, but I feel like Macklin Celebrini is probably better, but I like Eiserman. Um, but Celebrini is really friggin' good as well. Um, uh, Sishik thoughts. I have not seen him, so I will take a look. I'll add him. I'll add him to the to the growing list of of names here um is ethan meadma draftable i have not really liked watching meadma that much this year but i also have not seen too much of him so i'll also add him to the list put him on here and take a look at him whenever i'll be up until like 4 a.m watching these guys at this rate um Etienne Mohan thoughts again all hands to me all hands no breaks i'm not i'm not sold like he's scoring a ton of points but i don't think I don't think it's uh, enough for me to be like over the over the moon about him. Uh, at what point should Kings fans be concerned with Byfield? Not yet. I mean, he just turned twenty. Um, I think he just he would yeah he just turned twenty. Um, he's been injured a lot. He got really sick supposedly. Um, and I, I watched him in the NHL for a couple of games this year. And again, I feel like with Marco, it's the same as Marco Rossi, where it's like. I can see a lot of things that he's trying working, but it's just the points aren't coming. You know, he he's he's getting his chances. Like I remember the first game he played in the NHL, he very easily could have had two goals, right? Like I, I like a tip in front, like a tip in front, or uh, you know, he he caught he caught a rebound I think in that game and and just barely missed, uh, you know, and he tipped the puck in front and almost scored and just it's just I don't know like stay patient, right? Like look at Gabe Velarde. It took him years. He was injured a ton and it took him years. And he's finally sort of sorting it out in the NHL. Like you, 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 these things take time sometimes. And with, with Byfield, yeah. Like you can look at the 2020 draft and see other players that are already hitting the ground running and and playing pretty well. But again, he just turned 20. Like, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a problem. Um, also, yes, I'm glad to be back as well. Uh, Ty Voigt, seven assists last two games. Yeah, good for him. He's doing the thing. Um, so far, is Hrabble the best goalie since the 2021 draft? Is he better than Casa? 
Uh, I didn't, I don't know. I mean, I see them as relatively comparable, mostly because they both play junior hockey. Like I'm usually pretty skeptical of goaltenders that don't play against pro competition. Um, but Hrabble has been fantastic. Like he's, he's got the size. And again, I don't want to like, just you know, um, I don't want to dilute my goalie analysis to big, but I think goaltending being big does matter. Right. But I, you need to be athletic as well as big. And Michael Harabal is athletic and big. Like, I, I really think there's a lot to like with him. He he kind of, again, it's stupid. But when I look at a guy, like, when I look at goaltenders, my gold standard for goaltending prospects is uh, what I remember seeing out of out of Jesper Wallstead. That's that's what I remember. That's that's my barometer, right? And most goalies don't meet that. But when I look at Michael Harabal, I see a lot of echoes of that type of goaltending. Kosa it's hard because I just, I don't know. I didn't see as much. Um, but I guess, I guess they're kind of on, on a, on a, on a similar wavelength. Uh, is there any concern of Bedard's size through the middle where he may project better as a winger? Totally get how this question could be laughed at, but just a thought, I mean, I've thought about it, honestly. Um, I've, I've really thought about it. I, I, again, I am, I, I think, I think you could be wrong, but I'm one of the few people that I think is being public about some of the issues that I've seen in Bedard's game this year. I mean, again, like similar to a guy like Crystal or Perron or Will Smith, I don't think you're drafting Connor Bedard for how he plays defense. I don't think you're doing that. His defensive results last year were not very good. His defensive results this year are also not very good. But who cares because he's out there popping two goals, two goals and an assist every game. Like, who cares? Um, But I, I mean, when I look at how he plays and how teams play him, yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a learning curve, and he absolutely, in my opinion, will need to be more of a of a team player than he is now. I think a lot of that is the situation he's in, where Regina is just a, a poo poo team, and he has Tanner Howe, and that's pretty much it. But he he's you know he he's not really distributing the puck a ton unless he really has to. Like I've seen him shoot from the goal line more than a lot of a lot of players, and that you know, like from distance at the goal line and like, maybe he can score from there in the WHL, but that doesn't go in very much, um, in the NHL at least, but you know, you give him some space and you know, he's got the hands to move pucks around. He's got a great shot. Like there's a lot to, I mean, it's Connor Bedard, right? Like, what can you say? Um, but I do think that there are things where, yeah, if he was a winger in the NHL, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, but I, I mean, to me, you try him at center and you try him at center and then you try him at center more. And then if it really isn't working out, then maybe you move him to the wing. Uh, have I seen Thomas love Brennan on Owen sound? No, I have not. I will do so, uh, just for you. I'll do so just for you. Um, Thomas love Brennan. That's a name. That's definitely a name. Do you think the Kings could get Kane for a Turcotte Byfield package? I, I think LA, laughs at that like again teams don't just trade the guys they've drafted in the top 10 right that just doesn't really happen i don't remember the last time that happened um like the 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 biggest name prospect i think that's been traded recently um like eric brandstrom where the public sentiment was like extremely high and the player was extremely valuable and brought a extremely high-end player like Patrick Kane's on an expiring contract. So why would you give up a guy who's less than 22 years old or 23 years old, let alone both of them, especially when, especially when the value is bottomed out for both of those players. Like that would just not happen. 
um like Kane like for Patrick Kane at the deadline like you're giving up a first round pick and like a good prospect and like maybe another asset right like you're not you're not you're not paying through the teeth for for that I mean he's going to be a very valuable piece and if you you know conditional picks if he signs in your in your market I guess but uh yeah no I I think that's you're selling low on those guys and that just makes no sense um, is Michael Hage injured? I have no idea. He hasn't played a game yet. I don't, I don't get it. I don't think he's hurt. I don't know. Um, have you watched Uri Slavkovsky? Yes, I have. I think he's coming as advertised. Like I've said it, I said it a million times last year that the adjustment to the NHL might be really steep for him. Um, but there are certain things that are NHL level good puck protection. He uses his body really well. He uses his size really well. You know, he, he maintains possession really effectively. Um, yeah, and I I mean I've seen a bit of him, but I'm not like, oh my god, this guy is 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 the greatest thing since sliced bread. I think this is about what I expected out of him from this season. Oh, look, my family cat has come to say hello. Hey, buddy. He is How old are you? 17? I got him when I was 15 and I'm 32, so 17 years old. And he has diabetes. And he's on painkillers right now. So there's that. Everybody say hello. He's he's thumping around back there. I don't know what he's doing. Um. Okay, let's fire through these because I am tired and I got a bunch of hockey to watch. Um. Is Buffalo a lock for the playoffs in 23-24? They will splash some cash in the offseason and when healthy, they're already looking heavy. I mean, I think so. I Again, the Buffalo Sabres, I think, are better than their losing streak indicates, but they're not as good as their winning streak indicated. Um, I think they're on the right track, right? Like, they're getting there. Um, they're not there yet, but they're getting there. They're, they're, a, they're a pretty good group. They're young, and they've got more coming, right? Like, Matthew Savoy, I think, has looked great in the games that I've seen him play. Um, Noah Ostland has looked really good in the games I've seen him play. Yuri Kulic does not look out of place in the AHL, nor does Isaac Rossian. They've got some good players on the way. I don't think it's the, I, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot, uh, coming down the pipe that'll help Buffalo. I, I mean, I think next year it's reasonable to expect them to push for a playoff spot. I mean, but they also just need to find some solidified goaltending, really. Okay, just making sure he's not dead over there. Uh, could Bedard be a better high be a better hybrid of Caulfield and Hughes? Oh, okay, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to touch that. I don't know. Again, to me, Connor Bedard is Connor Bedard. He just is what he is, right? Like I don't know who he is in the NHL. I've never really seen an NHL player at center and that size and play with the kind of style that he's got. And yeah, I don't know. We'll 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 see. We'll see. Uh, what happened to Jaeger? You you would think he would take a bigger step. Well, like I don't know. I didn't. I didn't last year. I, he was a guy where I saw people thinking he's a top 10 guy and I didn't really see it. I mean, he's a first round pick to me. I, I, I think the finishing ability he's got on its own is good enough to draft in the first round a hundred percent, but everything else is just a big mixed bag, right? Like he kind of reminds me of like Rucker McGrory from last year, maybe like a, a less physical Jimmy Snuggerud, like really, really fantastic shooter utilizes that to create plays as well but there's just holes in their game that really prevent them from being a really, really well-rounded top-end prospect for the NHL draft. Uh, thoughts on Jake Sanderson so far? I've loved him. Uh, I really like watching him with the Ottawa Senators. He's a ton of fun to watch. Really good all-around defender um, so far. I think he leans 
a lot more offensively into that side of the game right now based on his actual results. Um, but you know, he's doing a lot of the, th- a lot of things, right. He's playing with a lot of confidence and I, I, I like what, uh, I like what he's brought to the table for sure. What's your biggest concern with each player in your top 10? Okay. Uh, sure. We'll go with the, we'll go, we'll go quick through this. Um, we'll go quick. So with Bedard, uh, I think my biggest concern with Connor Bedard is what version of Connor Bedard are you getting? Like he's going to play 70 games with the Regina Pats. And from what I've seen with Regina, he basically is told to do whatever he wants. And, you know, will that result in quote-unquote bad habits? I mean, I've seen some bad habits out of him. He's very shoot-first. He shoots from everywhere because he can, but that usually doesn't work in the NHL, shooting from everywhere. I I find his distribution ability with teammates is really hit or miss. Um, Teams really sort of relinquish a lot of space to him and sort of trap him. Um, and, And they push him to the outside a lot. Again, like he really loves to rush up the right wing boards and, you know, use the boards for puck protection and then get into the offensive zone and put the puck on net. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who can also cock it back and fire it uh, from from the blue line and rip it top shelf. And that's a good thing. Adam Fantilli. Um, with Adam Fantilli, I guess my biggest concern is there. <laughs> There isn't a ton, to be perfectly honest. I love Adam Fantilli, but I think the one thing I've noticed is that he's a little bit... Um, I I, th- I don't think he makes himself a target on breakouts as much as he could. Like, he's got great length and great separation speed, but he's kind of like... I don't know if it's a tactical thing or not, but he's kind of involved in offensive transitions if he's just on the rec- receiving end of, like, a, a, a chip-and-chase play, right? So I don't know if that's structurally the way that Michigan wants to play, but... He just, I think with his lane selection and calling for pucks and everything, like I think he could do a little bit more to do that. And it just kind of removes him from play a little bit, but I don't know. I'm being, I'm being pretty picky here with, with Fantilli because I really, really like what he brings to the table. Carlson, I wonder if the pace of his game is enough to be a game breaker in the NHL outside of a really good sort of second line center. I think it's getting there and the, and the skill that he's got and the adaptive thinking under pressure is really good, but I wonder if he's going to be a game-breaking offensive player or just a perfectly good 200-foot all-situation center that you don't really have to worry about and can do a whole bunch of things really, really well. Zach Benson, I wonder if he's going to be able to drive offensive results. I'm pretty sure he'll drive good defensive ones. I'm pretty sure he'll drive good transition results. Pretty sure he'll complete passes really well and use line mates really, really well. But when it comes to just that 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 last 10% of being a really high-end NHL player, right? Like that FU swagger energy to get into the inside of the ice, really, you know, just finish the puck on a goalie really, really well. You know, those in-tight plays, I think, are what Zach Benson kind of lacks right now. But again, there's a lot to love about his game. Edward Chalet, similar to Carlson, I think the pace of his game might be just a bit behind being a true elite offensive player in the NHL. Really, really smart player. Really good procedural player. He's like Vili Koivinen, but like pinned at 11, right? Like everything Koivinen had in strengths and weaknesses, Chalet has as well, but just like raised a notch. And I think that that's, I think that, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to, to like about that. But Chalet, again, yeah, like I wonder about the pace of the game and how bigger, faster players are going to close gaps on him quicker and how he'll react to that because that's when things kind of fall apart for him right now. 
Andrew Crystal, um, is someone going to brain him? Is someone going to look at Andrew Crystal and go, this guy's way too fancy for me, so I'm just going to hit him into the boards from behind because I'm mad and he's never going to be the same player again. I don't know. Other than that, I can't really think of anything um, because Crystal is so overwhelmingly offensively talented. The defensive concerns I have about him I are like secondary. They're not They're not really front of mind for me. Uh, Matvey Michkov, what is he going to be in the NHL outside of a power play weapon? I don't, that's my concern. Like I look at him and I go, okay, his distribution ability is, is either pretty good or awful. I mean, the way he reads the ice, like sometimes he'll shoulder check and, and have a good re, a good map of the ice. Other times he just goes into a physical battle, slaps at the puck and it goes right to an opponent in the slot. Like it's not great. Um, he's not the fastest guy. He's small. Like I, again, I wonder what bigger physical competition is going to do to him. Um, because right now a lot of that production comes on the power play and I, or, or capitalizing on rebounds in open ice. And I just don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. Um, Perron, uh, am I overrating Perron? That's my concern. (laughs) Um, you know, he's, he's very, very skilled, very, very talented offensively and defensively, to be honest, he's just a gamer. Um, but I mean, I wonder if his foot speed is going to be enough to evade NHL talent, um, consistently. Um, what else do we have here? And, uh, I think we're getting to the end here. Uh, Will Smith is his defensive game going to eat into his offensive output too much, right? Like he's skilled and creative. He's not the paciest or fastest guy in a straight line and off puck. He's just not bringing a whole lot. So is that going to be a problem? I don't really think so, but I think that's the concern. And Gavin Brindley, um, is there is there offense at the, at a higher level, right? Like I see a lot of good procedural play out of him, like really really good procedural play, getting pucks up ice, fighting off puck to get pucks back. Just a really good guy to have on your line. But the only thing holding him back from being a really elite player to me is just like that again, similar to Chalet or or uh, I guess Chalet, like that fu energy. Zach Benson, same thing. Like is there is is he missing that? from his game and is that going to limit his offensive output and if you have a five foot nine winger who is really rambunctious and aggressive but has trouble putting the puck in the net what coach is going to trust him over the six foot two guy that can also play on the third line right like i'm i would go with brindley because of how good he is at playing the friggin game but i can't say that for everybody uh hopefully that answers your question I know you don't put as much stock in production, but it feels like Will Smith's production should put him right up there with the top three. It's just so hard to knock him out of the top three. I would have a really hard time see. I would love to see him in the SHL, um, but I think with Leo Carlson, I think he just plays more projectable uh, with the puck. But I mean, look, they're they're very they're pretty close to me. Um, I mean, I could easily have Will Smith probably as high as my second tier and ranked eighth. I would say, like, I could see him above Perron, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Guys like guys like Carlson, I think it would be hard to unseat him, and especially Bedard and Fantilli. Like Bedard and Fantilli are gonna be locked, locked in the first round or in the top two for me. Um Have you watched Malcolm Spence in the OHL? Yes, here and there. He's pretty good. Uh do you think Chicago will keep Reichel in the AHL all year? Um Yeah, I mean if there's no scoring role for him in the NHL, then why would you rush him to the NHL super quick? Like let him play really well in the AHL and maybe call him up later if you want. But yeah, I mean, sure. Um, should they? I, I mean, there's not the, the NHL team is not 
in a rush to compete. So I don't see a reason why the AHL wouldn't be horrible. Uh, uh, Bosnian Gaming, I answered your question off the top of the show. So you can reverse back to the beginning and rewatch the whole thing. Spencer Silva thoughts. Good skater, not much else. Um, which just makes me think about Tanner Melindic, and now I wonder if I have him ranked too high. But yeah, with Spencer Silva, really, really fancy footwork, really good skater, some decent skill, but I was wondering what he was going to do with it, and I never really saw a ton. I haven't watched him this year, though, so maybe I should check him out. And last question of the night, and then I'm going to bail. Uh, what would a Bedard trade look like in the WHL? Um, well, who did you draft in the first round recently? Who? Uh, how many first-round picks do you want to give up? Um... And uh, maybe a couple of guys off your roster. Extra extra, extra bodies that you don't want. I don't know. It would be uh, a lot. A lot, of, a lot of things. I don't know. I'm trying to think of... I mean, John Tavares got traded, I think, in his draft year. So let's see what that cost. And then I'm going to close the show. Uh, John... J- John... T- Tavares trade to London... Um. Oh man. So John Tavares and Michael Delzato and a goaltender went, and in return they got Christian Thomas, a defenseman, a goaltender, one, two, three, four second round picks and two third round picks. So the two the, the in the OHL you can't trade first round picks. Um. So basically what they got. So to me, if we're talking like WHL alternate yeah you're looking at like who did you just draft in the first round give me your first round pick next year and the year after and a couple of second round picks then we can go from there or something like that i don't know but it would be a lot because you know obviously you're getting a guy who's gonna score what's his pace right now 148 points andrew crystal's on pace for 140 himself like that's pretty unbelievable um but Connor bedard 148 point pace you would pay an arm and a leg and a, and a fist and a brain and a and a butt and a, and a leg for that. So anyway, um, that's going to be it for tonight. Thank you very much for showing up a little bit of light on the attendance, but that's totally cool. Uh, last week was quite busy and it's still very early in draft season, but, uh, as always, thank you very much for watching. Be sure to subscribe to McKean's hockey with the, the logo up there. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, support the work that we all do over there. You've got the blue line hockey IQ project as well. 10% off with the coupon code scouting. If you want to become a more cerebral and uh, thought first hockey player. Um, and uh, also fanatics. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Uh, we also, uh, you can scan the QR code and get my affiliate link that way, or it's in the description below. Um, so thank you for watching or listening, depending on whatever it is that you're doing. Thank you very much. And I will see you next week, same time, same place. And then I get to go to Seattle for the hockey analytics conference. And I'm really excited. Um, so thank you very much. And we'll see you next week.